Hi everyone, I'm Elaine Vargas, founder and creator of Life Against the Current. In this podcast, you'll hear stories and truths of incredible people who have gone against the current of traditions, societal norms, opinions of family and friends, or even a boss's suggestion in order to achieve their goal. Unfortunately, there isn't a guidebook for all of our nonlinear decisions, but there is this podcast to acknowledge and empower you to do things you want to achieve, regardless of how unconventional it may seem to others or maybe even to you. My guest today, Chanel Massis, is currently a yoga instructor pursuing her passion in teaching the hopes and joys of yoga to people that don't always know if they're going to be able to move their bodies in the ways that yoga would expect you to. That's because she didn't know if she was going to be able to walk herself not that long ago in her life. And so today we get to hear the story of somebody who suffered through an accident and who rose out of it and is now doing everything that she can to teach others about the things that helped her get through this rough period in her life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Life Against the Current. I am here with Chanel Masses, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her Life Against the Current story today. Welcome, Chanel. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for being here. What is your Life Against the Current story? Maybe, like, sum it up a little bit first, and then you can dive into... Okay, so short story would be that I am 27. I broke my back a few years ago, about six or seven years ago, and um, now I'm a yoga teacher. So that's a smaller sum of kind of how I got here. I'll dive into in a little bit, but that's more or less okay. <laughs> some, I guess, the short term. Okay, so how did you get from one point to the other, and what happened in between in between so I started school obviously I finished at Miami-Dade with my AA and January of 2011 I got into a four-wheeling accident I was visiting my mom in Orlando she just moved there and I grew up on a farm we had those all my life and it had been a while since I had ridden one and um, kind of went off-roading on my own thankfully with no one else and I, I hit a really big hill like a jump and I uh, unfortunately flipped it and uh, the norm was to get right back up as I was a kid. I fell off horses many times. I fell off that four-wheeler very many times and I tried to get up and unfortunately I could not. I was just laying on the ground like on my back and my boyfriend thankfully uh, was very close by and my mom's boyfriend as well so they ran over to me. They're telling me not to get up. I'm like yeah that's what you do. You get up and I couldn't so they called 911. I really couldn't feel anything. I was Pretty sure that I was paralyzed, but I was like at peace with it. It was really weird euphoric moment. Um, my boyfriend was just looking at me. I'm looking at the sky. Like it's okay. Like I'm probably paralyzed. That's you know. I, I know I can't get up. I can't feel anything. The ambulance came, and the guy had asked him, you know, step aside. And there was blood on his hand. So then I was sure. Like I cracked my head open. There's brains. Like tell me. I, I literally like looked at him. Like just tell me. Like how bad is it? Is it cracked open? Can you see? Like. The brain, you know, just tell me. He's like, honestly, I don't know what's wrong. You know, it, I don't see any cuts or anything. So it ended up just being very small, like, you know, cut. They had to stitch me up in the hospital. But that, thankfully, I didn't have brain damage. I was complaining that I had uh, really sensitive feet. I felt like like someone had mauled them, like a dog had mauled them. And the, I had been wearing, like, sandals at the time, which is super bad. I didn't wear any safety equipment. Don't do that. And... 
the paramedics were all looking at each other like, nothing's wrong with her feet. Like, literally, my feet were fine. And obviously, that was probably a bad sign. The nerves in my body were all out of whack. So they put me on that little, uh, <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but, you know, the, the, stretcher. the stretcher. Yeah, but the, the really hard plastic one. <clears throat> so they kind of, like, rolled me off the dirt onto that. And um, they put me in the ambulance. My mom showed up. They followed us to the hospital. I felt like every bump and, you know, everything in, in that ambulance ride. Then they took me to the hospital. They put me in the CAT scan, MRI, and said, like, they did not have a spine specialist on site. And we were, I don't know where, in Orlando at that time. So they had to move me. And that's when I went to Orlando Regional Medical, I want to say. And they did more extensive testing and said I had to stay on that stretcher for the next like 24 hours because if they moved me onto the bed they might mess me up a little bit more like they they knew that I had fractured my lower lumbar and if there was any more movement they could possibly like sever my spine so I stayed on that hard wook <laughs> plastic uh for a good amount of time they didn't let me eat because I had surgery in the morning and the basis of my surgery was similar to uh scoliosis. So I have two very long rods along my spinal cord and about eight screws holding me up because my lower lumbar, so your spine is set up, cervical is, you know, the nape of your neck, and then there's thoracic, and then lumbar is the lower part towards your tailbone. I had fractured my lower lumbar, and thankfully the bone fragments were kind of circling my spinal canal instead of going through, which would have paralyzed me at the time if it had severed so gone straight through, I could potentially have been paralyzed. Thankfully, I wasn't. They did the surgery. I woke up and they said everything was fine, more or less. They had to get me out of bed immediately to know that if they had done any nerve, nerve damage um, to make sure I could walk. So uh, they had flipped me over, super painful, put me, you know, my feet on the ground. And um, I could not lift myself up for anything. So I had to have a few people kind of pull me up. And once my feet hit the floor, I just saw white. I had never blacked out in my life, but I saw a white light. I told them I cannot see, like, this is not a good idea. And they're like, okay, she's done for the day. Put her back in bed. <laughs> like, we'll leave you alone. So um, I spent about a week in the hospital. During that time, I had to learn to walk again. So I was on the hip placement and like spinal floor at the time. So there was a lot of older ladies with their new hips and I was like really slow. And I remember one day, like I was dragging my feet in my little walker doing therapy. And one lady was like speeding past me and she's just like, you'll get there. Like, what is happening? I was like, screw you. You know, I was, you know it was like one of those weird moments, but. I was like, okay, she can be happy with a new hip. I can, I can get through this and walk again. So I did physical therapy about a week. Then I, I went to go back to my mom's house. There was just like, no, no one tells you like what to do after that stuff. I feel like there's no book. There's no guide, especially in the medical industry with, hey, now you start doing therapy at home or like you can't take your walker home with you because I just learned to walk. I was so very, you know. I relied a lot on it. I could not walk like up straight and just, you know, pick up my feet fine. I was like hunched over, dragging it, like trying to step one foot in front of the other. And after a week of that, they were just like, you can't take that home. My mom went mama bear on them and basically told them like, right for my goals to <laughs> cold dead hands if she's not going to take the walker with her. So we went home with the walker. 
the hospital. Yeah, the, the hospital hadn't told us, like, yeah, she needs to keep doing therapy. She just kind of had to call around, and, like, she needs help still walking and get building strength, so we so need someone no to come. There was nothing, no, like, there was nothing that they tell you, like, here's the handbook of, like, you just broke your back. This is what you need to be doing. Basically, they told us, like, how to take care of my scar, because they had stapled me up. So I have, like, little punctures around my scar. Um, they're like, yeah, we'll see her in, like, six weeks, and we'll take out those staples and, you know, keep it clean. Don't, you know, bathe it. It was just, like, simple stuff of, like, a minor surgery. Mm-hmm. Not, she needs extensive physical therapy. I felt everything in the car ride. They gave me prescriptions, obviously, but nothing to the extent of, like, this is what you need to be doing, this special therapy or whatever. So we called, and they had told us, like, yeah, we can do occupational therapy or physical therapy, but you need to come to the office. And I was just not in a good place to be moving around in the car. The car, you know, to this day, I can drive and be fine, but, um... Trusting other people driving me is a huge, a huge thing. I, I don't trust a lot of people. I still like twinge in the car, so I could feel everything. I was super, you know, adamant about not letting anyone let me drive. And so she was like, that's not an option. You need to come here. That's more expensive. And I'll tell you that. Someone needs to come to the house, you know, move you around every, um, every day for at least an hour. And those special kind of strengthening tools no one really tells you about. So we did that about a month. I was really homesick. I live in Miami. I was in Orlando. I missed my boyfriend. He came, thankfully, like every weekend. But it's just the day-to-day of like, this was not my norm. I was going to school at the time. And like, now I'm just sitting in bed all day and losing strength. And I lost a lot of weight. I was a very muscular person prior to my surgery. I played soccer and sports my whole life. And I loved working out. And now I was like a little stick with no muscle. The month that I stayed in bed, like I have super bad muscle atrophy to this day you know it's it sucks but again no one tells you that it just kind of happened and yeah you work every day to to build strength so i eventually went home i was on prescription medication at the time but once we hit the uh once we got home from the hospital my mom started halving my dosage because she was really scared that i was going to get addicted because it's a huge thing in America and, and just in my family, we have a lot of mental issues. So she was just like, let's be careful. Be safe. Yeah. So uh, thankfully she started having my dosage and they don't really tell you that either. When you leave the hospital, has you want you a certain schedule. They feed you, they give you a prescription, you know, check your vitals. Um, and then all of a sudden you don't have that. Anymore. Yeah. And, and, and also they had me set on that schedule. So I was actually sleeping during the day and like up at night, like nocturnal. And then every four hours, they were feeding medication to me. So I started getting used to that. Like, okay, every four hours, I get my little pill. And when we got home, I was doing that. And she was like, are you in pain? And I was like, no, nah, I'm just, it's time, pill time. And she was like, let's wait till you're in actual pain. So that helped weaning me off slowly. I didn't even finish my prescription. They gave me like 30 days and a refill. And I didn't even finish it. I was on like, I want to say muscle relaxers and Percocet, which is really strong. After that, I stopped using medication. I did maybe like Advil. Cut to I'm now back in Miami. And again, no one really told me I needed to do therapy, how long it would take for me to drive a car, um, why I was still in pain, you know, months after the surgery. It wasn't like I got better. It was like constant pain, um, still having a hard time walking. They told me like I needed a cane. I did not want to walk around my neighborhood with a cane. (laughs) So now I have this funny little limp that is uh, interesting, but it's, it's my own. So I do walk, which is great. I'm thankful for that every day that I was not paralyzed and I'm able to walk even with my funny limp and my muscle atrophy. But I started doing yoga very shortly after because I felt like I needed to gain that muscle back. 
and I had always wanted to do it. I had never done it prior. I was one of those people that always needed a friend to do things. Like, I couldn't even go shopping without a friend. Like, oh, let's go to Target. Like, I needed that. Now I love going anywhere by myself. I enjoy my own company very much. So um, I was like, screw it. Like, I'm going to go. I need to do this. And thankfully, I actually started at um, my local recreational center with an older teacher, Natasha. And she was teaching, like, an older group. It was almost like silver sneakers type style in a very dark room, very zen. And um, honestly, like once we hit that very last part, which is if you're not familiar with yoga, Shavasana is like the best part. I tell my students it's called like the dessert of yoga. If you're into dessert, if you're not, then whatever's relative to that. But um, it's like a mini nap time where you kind of let go completely. And it's... Oh, yeah, that's Shavasana. Okay. That's what the name is. A lot of people even know. They're like, what's Shavasana? But that is the, the best part. Towards the end, you basically work your heart rate up. You, you know, do flows in between. And then towards the end, this part, it can be anywhere from two minutes to like 10, 15 minutes. But you relax the entire body. Um, you don't necessarily sleep, even though a lot of people tend to fall asleep. But you are in a, in a wake state. But it's a beautiful, very zen state where you just kind of float out of your body and just you know, kind of regroup. You went through all this rigorous activity and now you're kind of settling back down so that when you leave class, you're in this beautiful, like, very calm state. Like, traffic no longer bothers you because you just, like, shavasana it away and it's it's really great. Um, yeah, we try to tell students, if you need to leave early, do a, like, mini shavasana, leaving with that type of energy, like, high, like, woo, you know, which a lot of, you know, CrossFit and all that, not to say anything bad about them, it's just different how we end our class. I cried my first Shavasana, like burst tears because it needed to come out. Like so much trauma had happened and I never really acknowledged it. And this was a really nice way to heal. And I felt good in my body. Even I was like super shaky. I tell my students now that like you shake in the easiest poses, you'll build strength. And I did too. I started there with older people. I could barely do half the poses. I still really suck at balance because of my back issues. So you know, if you fall in class, if you shake, or if you're like, this is too hard, I don't want to do this, definitely, like, get through it. I wouldn't say power through it, you know, I don't want to be like, yeah, pull muscles and strain yourself, but like, give it a chance, keep going, because it definitely helped me heal in different ways, emotionally, spiritually, physically. I wasn't really a spiritual person prior, but this is definitely a good time to like, tap into that, to like, get to know yourself, ask weird questions while you're on the mat, and heal you know, knowing that there's a bigger power out there that is kind of telling you to keep going and like that it's going to be okay is really, really nice. So started yoga. And then uh, shortly after I actually met your mom, which her name is Teresa, and she is an acupuncturist. This was my homeopathic route to pain management because I didn't want to take prescription medications. I was still in a lot of pain. Yoga was great, but it was not helping me with the pain relief as of yet. So my mom, um, I found her through a friend and was like, let's try this. Let's not do steroids and all the other stuff the doctor wanted to give me. The cortisone shot was like the size of my forearm and like the needle was very thick. And they basically told me like, it's steroids. Like we're going to give you a big shot. I don't want anyone touching my spine after this kind of experience. We're going to give you a big shot in your back. Yeah. So it'll numb it for about six months and then it'll slowly wear off. So if it doesn't work, it wears off. And if it does, we'll just keep doing it. And I was like, what are the side effects of this? Mind you, I'm like 20 at the time. How long am I going to be on this? What are the side effects? I haven't heard great things about steroids. And I didn't want a needle in my back, basically, to sum it up. 
So she was like, let's do this. So I was super open to anything that didn't involve giant needles, even though acupuncture involves tiny needles. But I was like, anything at this point would be great. So my first session with her, I think she starts an hour and a half to two hours because she's getting to know you, all your, you know, ins and outs and what your concerns are. And I went through all the emotional with her, all the physical with her. I didn't know that it was going to help me in other ways. I definitely thought this is physical relief. You know, it felt great. I love it. I, I don't be scared of tiny, tiny needles. They are like so tiny, you know, unless she gets you in like a really good spot you know no, but don't tell people no no i know <laughs> it might be like a little bit but it really has no comparison to like the healing effects honestly you're beyond those tiny little needles hitting you so yeah that first that first session was huge for me i was like a shell of a former self of myself after the surgery so after my first session i felt like she had found that that person that was in me before and was slowly like bringing her back. And I called my mom immediately after like cried in the car for like 30 minutes. And she's like, what happened? Like I just started by crying. So she was like, what happened? Was it bad? And I'm like, it was so good. Like she, she was so concerned. Like she hurt you. I'm like, no, she told me everything I needed to know. And like, I felt amazing. And I started on like a more regular schedule with her. I think she told me like, you need to come back in like two days. And I was like, okay. And then I was doing like twice a week or three times a month, something to that extent. And then now I'm up to like, you know, pain pain management and emotionally wise, I can see her once a month without being like, okay, you know, for me, that's huge. Going from like, you know, twice a week to a month or five weeks or whatever is is great for me. And I I definitely recommend acupuncture and especially with Teresa. She's awesome. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's been a huge journey getting through all that and with work, asking for help. So I see her regularly. If I need to go in earlier, you got to talk to people. I definitely started therapy um, a little while after because you need to talk about what you went through. If not, it's very common in my family to like push stuff down and then like just keep going. And then we have like mini meltdowns and and that's really hard. It's just kind of like you push it down and then get through your day yeah you do work you do everything else you deal with other people's problems but eventually that stuff has to come out it's, it's just inevitable so learning to take it one emotional ride at a time and, and in every experience one at a time and I'm still healing I'm not fixed I'm not at all fixed but uh, I think that anyone with kind of a trauma in their life can say that that's it's always going to be a part of you but it also helps us grow I've been through a lot uh, a lot of stuff so that helps me look at the big picture um little things don't bother me as much you know traffic still is really annoying but if i can look at it like i broke my back um i think i can get through this you know one hour of rush hour traffic and um my mom has always been like that she's always compared stuff i found it really annoying as a child when she would be like well uh there's people out there that don't have arms and legs and you not getting that new whatever is not a big deal. I'm like, okay, mom, thanks for clarifying that. But now I'm like, yeah, that is the big picture. If you're alive and breathing and can walk around, your family is doing great. No one called you in the middle of the night and told you like something's wrong. Yeah, everything is kind of pales into comparison to being alive. I think too, part of that is like when you have something that you personally have accomplished that you've mm-hmm. gotten through, then you have like 
a standard for what you're capable of. Yes. And then because of that, everything, like, I don't know. It's easier. You're yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're just like, <laughs> like it, it makes life a little bit easier to yeah. have that kind of thing to compare it to. So having like that other random person, like having a harder life or yeah. doing, going through something else doesn't really make it personal. You don't yeah. really understand it. It's kind of just, yeah. you know, <laughs> abstract. But when you have something personal that you've gone through, that you've been through and mm-hmm. you know that you're capable of getting through it, I think that makes a difference. Huge. Yeah. And then it just makes getting through life a little bit easier, not necessarily easier, but a little bit to know, like, I've been through worse. So like, this is, it'll pass. And knowing that too, like everything eventually passes. But when you're in a dark place or in a really hard rut, you're kind of like, this is my life now. This sucks. And dwelling on it more does not help. Um, But knowing like, it's just around the corner, that light, that happiness again is, is really good. So that's really nice to, to know that other people go through the same thing, you know, um, whether it's the same or different, it really doesn't matter. We're all kind of going through something or have been through something and, and need to see each other in that light. Like we're all humans, you know, if now I can kind of, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I don't think that I was like a super awesome nice person prior. I mean, maybe my friends will tell me like, you haven't changed. I don't know. But I feel like I've definitely softened and I, I I think a lot more about what people are going through and I try to react in that same sense. So if I see someone else is having a bad day, I would have used to have been like so angry. Like there was a lot of anger in me and I don't know where it was from, but I feel like now I can smile and be like, hey, like I hope you have a better day or, you know, like, are you okay? Because a lot of people don't ask that and genuinely mean it. Like you might be like, hi, how are you? How are you? You know, how are you? Not, you know. I want to hear your whole life story. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> Some people are like, I got my own shit going on. Like, please don't, don't ask me too much about my life. But I do generally like to know what people are going through because why not talk it out? And thankfully I have friends that are like super open to me just like doing this, just talking nonstop <laughs> to their face and then being like, wow, you needed to get that out. So I'm really thankful for that. And I hope to, to do that with other people. I think uh, yoga definitely opens you up and people just end up telling you stuff. You're just like, you open a weird part of Pandora's box in me and I, I need to tell someone. So I'm fine with that. Like, if you want to come up to me and tell me that, like, tell me this stuff. Cause that's, that's the stuff I like live off of knowing that other people are going through it. And like their healing is, is amazing. Now you're teaching yoga. Yeah. That's the, yeah. I, I was like, this is revolutionary. Cried a few times in Shavasana. and was like, I need to share this. Like, I know it's already out in the world, but I want to do it in my own way. So I was like, I got to do a teacher training and become a teacher so that I can share this message and like tell all the people when you find something good you're like I gotta tell all the people I hope people are like that you know don't hide it for yourself especially if it's like a gem you know acupuncture and yoga and all the the good stuff in the world so I uh I that was super hard too though I was still very much like in my healing stage so to put myself out there to have the money to do so and to go through something like that, I thought it was just like a training, like you show up and they teach you how to teach a class, you know, parentheses around that, um, like a sequence. And then, you know, you go home. But no, it's the one I did was like a whole an emotional, like roller coaster ride too. It, they want to know, at least my teacher wanted to know, like the depths of why you want to teach. It wants to build better people so that you have better teachers, not just a gender size instructor. They want like people with a good head on their shoulders to teach and heal other people because that's what's going to affect people more than just poses or asanas because yoga isn't just the moving around and dancing. It's actually 
the whole spiritual aspect. To get to that point, I actually was started following Rena, which uh, Rena Jabakowitz is my teacher that taught me, and she used to live in Miami. Now she's in California. She had a beautiful studio. She actually had three. I started following them on Instagram, looking into taking her teacher training. She had like payment plans, which was like a huge plus for me. And <laughs> she seemed like a really cool person and had a really nice community behind her. Um, she did a giveaway for a scholarship, 50, 50% of her scholarship towards her teacher training, which was huge because teacher trainings can be up to like $5,000. So yeah, I love a scholarship. <laughs> Thank you. And, and yeah, that was a huge thing. Just getting through that. My stepsister, Alexia was a huge influence on me because I was still super shy and was like, I'm not going to win this. It was basically like a series of days and poses and then you talk about how this affects you or how this benefits you. And, and like I, she took the pictures of me every day and she got super creative about it. And we have beautiful backgrounds of like our, the backyard that we were living at at the time. And, um, and then me doing the story and then her like going out into the streets and telling people like, are you on Instagram? Like follow my sister and like her picture so she can win a scholarship. You know, I showed up and I did the poses and I wrote, but she was like out there like campaigning for me to, to win this while I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to win. She's like, shut up. You're going to win this. Like, you need this. We're going to do this. And she was just a huge help for me roaming the streets. And uh, Thank you to anyone that helped me because it was, um, it was kind of like a liking contest. And she actually ended up picking a few winners because we were all so adamant about like, please pick us. We need to do this in our life. And she's that type of person. She's like, I'll make it work. So, um, yeah, three of us ended up winning and experiencing that was amazing. Um, recommend to anyone, even if you don't want to teach, you want to take a teacher training or like a retreat or spiritual journey, absolutely do that for yourself and, you know, for your family, for your future kids. Like, that's just something I feel like we all need to heal. We don't, it's, I think maybe it's looked upon like woo woo. (laughs) Like people are like, woo-woo people do that but um no I think if you work a nine-to-five if you have troubles if you have some stuff that you need to get off your chest and heal like take a retreat go into the jungle and talk to people about your feelings like it's really freaking spiritual and really really beneficial so I started teaching after that hopefully making a difference if you're a student of mine if you're listening I hope that I've helped in any way I can but it's it's been a journey for sure my life Against the current story was definitely, uh, I was going to school and I ended up dropping out after that and I chose this path and I know that I still think that it's very much my path. I need to help more people. I want to do that through yoga or anything else I can. I am teaching at the moment, but I absolutely believe that I am meant to have a studio of my own. Um, I like being my own boss, one. Two, I want a place for people to feel comfortable like their second so I need to have workshops. I want to have trauma healing. I want to have a lounge area. I, you know, any type of space that makes people feel like, wow, I'm home and I feel accepted regardless of my age, my gender, my weight, my, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like you bring your dog if you need to, to heal the dog. I'm very big on animal lovers. So, uh, I definitely believe that is like what I'm meant to do. And my, my whole purpose, I guess, in life would be to have that and to help as many people as possible in any way that I can. Okay. Yeah. And so what was your plan like before all of this? Well, what were you thinking? Like, what was the, the, the path? Yeah. yeah. So pretty conventional parents were huge on go to college, graduate, get a good job, get married, have kids, all that. I was on the path that I'm, 
I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people feel it. But not all of us know what we're supposed to be doing or what we want to do, especially in college. You're kind of like, I guess I'll take psychology because it sounds good. Like I like talking to people, but I was not meant to be a therapist. And I went to school for a long time. Like, yeah, okay. And I, I loved school, but in college, I didn't super love it. It was what set me off. And, you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to be. I commend anyone that, like, wakes up and knows what they want to be. Like, I want to be a cop. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a teacher. Like, it's just some people are built or brought up that way. And I, unfortunately, I knew for sure I needed to be my own boss. That's something that's huge in me. And my parents, they both always had their own businesses and ran their own business. And I... I learned from a really young age, like, work is important, but also having your own business isn't really important uh, to my family, I think, and uh, and to me. Just, I grew up like that, and um, I just, I know that I want to have my own business, and that I can flourish, because they taught me from a really young age, like, it's your baby, it becomes, you know, if work is your passion, then it's not really work, and that's what it fell under to me. I, I need uh, my own platform, my own little business to run. I love people, but honestly, I, I don't want to work for anyone for the rest of my life. I want to have my own business and run it for myself and know that that's mine, that I worked and built that up myself. <laughs> How long have you been teaching yoga? Now, um, so I started in, I guess, 2015, so about four years. Okay. I'm still young, so relatively that sounds really small and, and little, but I'm young. I'm 27. If I started in, you know, when I was younger, then absolutely I would have been doing it for years. But hopefully when I'm 50, I'm going to be like, yeah, I've been teaching you 30 years. Like, <laughs> I want that under my belt. And I'm going to continue to um, take more teacher training. So a lot of people think like, oh, you took one. Like, cool. That's it. Like, you're done, right? You took a college program. That's it. You're done. But people go back to school all the time to learn more things. So um, every program has more information, different information. You're going through different stuff in your life, so you kind of process it differently. Process it differently, exactly. So uh, when I was that person before, I was still going through my own stuff, so the information was kind of like slowly getting into my brain, but I had no idea what I had signed up for, so it was like super intense, a lot of information in a short amount of time. So the more I self-study, so I definitely study on my own, and then she had taught us how to actually study thyself so people won't think of it like oh I'm gonna get to know myself or like I'm gonna think of it as a subject in school where it's like history and then Chanelism (laughs) it's it's just um asking yourself questions and then kind of processing like why do you think the way you think why do you think you reacted like that um when I'm going through stuff I try to think like okay what led up to this and why you know just weird stuff like that it's really cool to like get to know yourself and to study yourself constantly like ask questions what's going on why did you feel like that I, I mean yeah it's just something that I don't think a lot of people do I don't know if it's builds your intuition or what but it's good to know what's going on inside instead of just reacting constantly outside so that was really cool it's different I don't know that every training does that so I'm, I'm happy to like keep going to more and learning more and yeah not be a master of yoga but just like accumulate as much information as I can learn more so that I can give it out to other people in my own way which is basically what we do all the time (laughs) so how do you feel like you um because obviously like you said that there was like this big traumatic moment Mm -hmm. and you talked a little bit about how you dealt with it and and the physical aspects of like dealing with it but I know that, like, from our conversation yeah. prior to this, yeah. you kind of talked a little bit more about, like, the emotional aspect yeah. of, like, dealing with 
the trauma and getting through those things. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. That is um, probably way bigger than the physical because I guess people just don't really talk about what they go through trauma-wise, like PTSD, people that were in war and served and have had other traumatic experiences like uh, rape or whatever you want to put into terms of trauma. They physically stuff happened, but emotionally I feel like that affects you way more. So I did have a little form of PTSD just with the car stuff, um, getting over that slowly. But emotionally, I turned into a different person. Like I said before, I felt really small and insecure and just weak all over. My physical body was weak. My emotional body was weak. Um, I was in a lot of fear and just a dark place. I don't know that if if it's from my my family because there is some mental issues on my mom's side where uh, a lot of the women have bipolar disorder and there's high highs, low lows or uh, depression. Um, I never experienced that as like a, as an adolescent or, you know, when I was older, but I don't know if that tapped into that, you know, trauma happens and and things kind of immerse from that. But um, yeah, I got depressed. super honest I got super depressed I questioned a lot as to why God or whoever did this to me because I was in a lot of pain I couldn't really walk well I just didn't know what I was supposed to do after that like what do you do how do you climb out of that and how do you start your life again from that place so I had moments of yeah why am I here and then you go into like what would happen if if I did leave so to say how would it it would affect my family that really pulled me back like that's I'm sure everyone's had a dark thought I'm not gonna kind of shy away of like oh yeah I was super suicidal but yeah you go through some tough stuff and you're like it would just be easier if I wasn't here like not dealing with this not living in pain depending on other people to help me I I don't I'm a person that doesn't like to do that so I was like let's look at this logically what would happen if I left it would be easier on me but it would affect my entire family my friends my my whole world so okay I can do this for them for a little bit it was more of like that's day by day but knowing that I could get out of it with help you have to ask for help so I started to go to therapy I went to acupuncture I did yoga it was like okay we got to turn this around have to talk to people wasn't on any medication thankfully and the great thing about falling apart is that when you put yourself back together you can like dissect all the uh the good and the bad and like just really get to know yourself and like okay if I can get through this like I said then I could get through anything so let's slowly put the pieces back together let's you know I've been called the bionic woman because of all my metal so if I rebuild myself then I could be a better version of myself and I can help others with my story. So um, definitely asking for help for your mental, your emotional. Strengthening, honestly, is huge. If you don't feel good in your body, then you probably emotionally don't feel great. So I have always been like a core person. I used to have a very strong core from what I remember, a very strong core. And that was huge for my confidence. That literally is the core of your whole body and your being. So if it's strong, the rest of you can be strong. And that's my powerhouse that's what connects to my spine and my back. So if my muscles there are strong, then the rest of my body can be strong. And I slowly started building more core strength everywhere. I needed more muscle and to feel stronger. My body helped emotionally like, okay, you know, you don't feel as weak. You don't, you're not in as much pain if you're stronger. And then with the mental health and the emotional health from going to therapy, yoga, and acupuncture definitely helped and talking to people and then just getting to know myself 
Like you have to just tap into that, ask those weird questions, those dark questions, and then move on from there and try to heal from the fucked up shit that happened in your life. Honestly, it's just what else can we do but move on and and be hopeful that it's going to be better, that you're thankful you're alive, you're thankful you woke up, that you breathe, and that your family's okay. That's it's a struggle, but it's what you got to (laughs) do. So what would your road signs be? Like if you had seen some, or like road signs that would have better helped pave your path. Mm -hmm. So road signs, definitely horse tools. Uh, Definitely don't listen to people that aren't out for your best interest or are projecting their fears and their limited experiences on you. So my path of, okay, I'm going to quit school and I'm going to start doing yoga and teaching yoga was probably not celebrated by most or in my family or anyone else that's involved in my life like okay that's great she's like going off on a spiritual journey and she's gonna teach for a little bit and like get it out of her system but um I'm stuck here I like it I'm gonna stay you know on this path and even if it's not what my parents wanted or anyone wanted that's that's unfortunate because they're not living my life and that's not really <laughs> I don't care I, I just really like at the end of the day if uh you care about other people's opinions you'll you'll never leave the house you'll never you know do what you really want to do you'll never travel you'll never you know if everyone's in fear all the time then you're taking on that their bullshit that they went through and unfortunately that's not going to help you in your own life not to say my parents aren't like proud of me i just probably at the back of their minds they're like oh it's not what we wanted but all parents are like that they're not you know i don't want you to make the same mistakes that i made and it's like that's not for you to really tell me i have to learn them regardless regardless i have to experience it for my own and go through it on my own to understand okay you were right but i had to learn my own way (laughs) and fear was another huge thing if you can work on getting out of your comfort zone and experiencing life as much as you can. And I still say that from a place of fear. Like I sometimes don't want to leave the house or have moments of like, I I shouldn't take that job or, you know, no, I shouldn't talk to that person, like social anxiety or whatever. It's just hindering you from experiencing more, from opening up to more opportunities. Honestly, like just talking to people in general, networking is just talking to people get to know people honestly if you have that confidence after that just talking to random people get to know people and their stories will blow your freaking mind it's great to know like people have been through stuff and and you can connect on that level make really cool friends that way I mean I hate to say it but like the coolest people I've met probably traveling so (laughs) it's nice to know like oh yeah I met these people you know camping and like they were from here and and they've you know traveled the world or this happened and now they're they're out here just off the grid, you know, and it's really cool to know that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being on the podcast and for listening to to the podcast. Oh yeah, totally. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of Life Against the Current. Remember, it's totally okay to do things and think against the current. Do you have an unconventional story or topic you'd like to share with us? Send us a message via our Instagram at lifeagainstthecurrent. Please do not forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, and let others know why you listen to LATC by reviewing us and spreading the word. We would really appreciate the gesture. See you in two weeks. Signing out, Elaine.